Hello everyone, welcome to another Warhammer Waffle episode of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast so Warhammer that we are members of Gilliman's Book Club. <laughs> that guy can really read a lot. Oh, I'm yeah. your host Matt, and joining me as always, a guy that is the got trek to my Felix, it's Cameron. <laughs> How you doing mate? I'm doing very well. I am the one that wields sharp objects and gets hurt more frequently. I'll take that comparison. <laughs> I, I must admit, before this, I was thinking, which one shall I be? And I thought, well, you've got a bigger beard than me as well. So uh, that too. I know you've trimmed it recently. And I've got worse eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, it, it was one of those things. I was thinking, hmm, which is the more, you know, or less offensive, you know, because <laughs> I was like, you know, <laughs> it depends which way you look at it, really. I was thinking, well, Gottrek yeah. is all powerful. So that is a, you know, well, I think you'd take that. True. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I won't say no to a three-up uh, feel-no-pain save. Exactly. You're, you're what, 520 points by yourself? Yeah. yeah. You're more that points than right. Mortarian and Magnus the Red and, <laughs> <laughs> and such like, so that's pretty good. Whereas yeah, I'm missing yeah. in action, aren't I, as Felix? He sort of... Yeah, you yeah. Know, People don't know. think he might be a Stormcast, but I that's don't That's true. It. Nah, I don't know. Nah, not, not all Felix. He's out there somewhere, though. Is that oh, like? I know who he is. Who? He's that new White King, clearly. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's a topic for another day. Skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, here we are. We're going to waffle again. Um, talking of waffles, mm. we did a waffle not that long ago, a few weeks ago. We yeah. did an eBay waffle, which is, yeah. you know, seemed to have got a good bit of feedback, hopefully. People got some good tips and tricks from that and are saving lots of money on their grey plastic. So, again, mm. if, you, if you're if you doing well on it, let us know. That would be awesome. Yeah. But, uh, you know the drill with the, with the waffle. We just rock up, talk about whatever we want to talk about. Um, so, yeah. Cameron, what would you like to talk about, mate? Excellent. Um, well, I was already going to talk about this, but then it became very relevant, uh, which is hobby <laughs> safety tips. Yay! Ooh, yay! Um, for those not in the know, I'm terribly injured, not, not that terribly, um, comparatively terribly injured to my normal of completely uninjured, uh, because I failed to follow my own hobby safety tips <laughs> just yesterday. Um, yeah, so it's cause like, um, as if you've been listening to the show, you'll know I've got a Mortarian now. I've been working a lot on him, uh, and I actually filmed the initial process of starting up my repos and stuff, but I nudged the camera out of the way without noticing. So there's 25 minutes of me cutting apart Mortarian's legs, going on and on about how to safely, you know, cut models for a clean cut, all that kind of stuff. So I thought, well, I've lost all that. <laughs> Might as well use the wisdom anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, next next time. Next time I'll be successful in filming myself actually doing something <laughs> instead of... It's terrible. It's like five minutes in and I just see my elbow just like touch the base of the tripod and just <laughs> start swiveling away. I'm like, ah, well, that's a problem. <laughs> People have to go through these things when they ever want to start that budding YouTube career, Cameron. So, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're oh, learning yeah. these tricks early. <laughs> yep, get them out of the way with an iPhone before I get an actual camera. <laughs> yeah, <is that> the... <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, yes, general safety tips because mm. our hobby is a dangerous one. Um, so I'm going to sort this. I'm going to sort this into two categories, which is sharp objects and chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are two categories with which you should be aware and wary. 
Uh, so let's start with sharp objects because mm. um, I have just removed a bandage from my finger. I still have one on my toe. To be fair, the toe is not technically a hobby-related injury, but it helped the other one on its way. Um, so, <laughs> first of all, uh, we use lots of things like we use hobby knives, we use saws, we use clippers. We use all sundry of terrible, <laughs> dangerous objects in our day-to-day hobby. You don't really think about it until you hurt yourself. You should probably think about it before you hurt yourself. Very true. Um, Wise words. Now, yes, yes. Uh, Now, the most important rule with keeping you safe with your hobby tools is be sensible. Think about what you're doing. Don't be like me sometimes where I get too excited by something (laughs) 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 and uh, and fail to properly protect myself. Um, But number two, the, the real important maintenance rule that seems contradictory but is actually very sensible is the sharper something is, the safer it is. Yes. So you should you should replace those scalpel blades regularly. Uh, essentially, this is because if you've got a nice sharp blade on your hobby knife or, you know, a fresh set of teeth on your hobby saw or whatever, when it cuts, it will cut well. It is way less likely to slip or, like, jump around or anything. And essentially, if your tools are well-maintained, they're less likely to malfunction. You're less likely to slice yourself open. Um, I did actually put on a fresh hobby blade right before <laughs> I sliced myself open. That one the was irony. Sheer dumb luck. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the advantage was, because it was a super fresh blade, um, it was a pretty deep cut on right on the tip of my finger, but it's a day later and it's actually covered itself up pretty much completely. Mm. It's all sealed up cool. because it was a super thin, super thin, super neat cut instead of a big old ragged, terrible thing. Uh, which is what it would have been if I hadn't switched out my uh, my blade uh, minutes earlier. <laughs> um, so I'm very grateful for that, at least. Um, so yeah, despite the fact that sharp things seem dangerous, the more sharp they are, they're actually usually a lot safer, as long as you don't, like, you know, drop them on your foot or whatever. So just be careful <laughs> about that, too, I guess. Um, I, I, one thing I'll interrupt, actually, just, just yeah, to, uh, yeah. so I don't forget to mention it, is one thing on that sort of basis is... Be careful how you're set up on your table in regards to mm. your hobby knife when it comes to <laughs> gradient. Now, what I mean by that is the amount of times I've put my hobby knife down on my desk or a desk, depending on which one I'm working on. And obviously, mm. as you know, not all floors are all equal or, yeah. or straight. Yeah. <laughs> and there's times where I'm just looking down at, you know, I put I put my hobby knife down. I'll then mm. go off and you know grab something, grab a sprue cutter or something, and it just rolls off my desk. You know, obviously oh. it's just where it's slightly slanted. The amount of times I've almost skewered myself where the <laughs> hobby knife has either dropped on my foot or on some other private area. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah I've that. had a few close calls <laughs> in that regard. So yeah, so if, if you're going to put your hobby knife down and you've not got a straight table, put it towards yes. the back somewhere, somewhere where if yeah. it rolls off, it's just going to hit the floor rather than your foot. Yeah. Or something else. Or at, the, or at the very least, be like Matt and make sure you have a kid first in case you yeah. do one later. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh. get, get all that out of the way first. <laughs> and and it, it's worthwhile. Or actually, to be fair, I and this is sort of a bit of laziness on my part because mm. my actual hobby knife actually has a cap to it as well. Yeah. So you can buy them with a cap and and it's definitely worth it in that in that regard. And also actually with them yeah. um, with the hobby blades. Um, most of them are universal, which people forget mm. about sometimes. So, because obviously what you're saying, Cameron, is about obviously changing them regularly. You know, it can mount yeah. up, you know, because they, they're, they're not oh, yeah. expensive, but 
But you know, cheap. if you get the, the if you get the size you want, like that's I think it's like a mm. size eleven. I think that's like a standard, you know, blade. Yeah. Um, you can get like a pack them in packs like you know twenty, thirty, fifty. Yeah, you know, yeah. buy them in bulk yeah. because you're always going to use them in this hobby. So buy them in bulk, mm. get them cheap, and therefore you're 100%. more likely to replace them, and therefore yeah, you know, yeah. potentially not have horrific injuries like Cameron. So yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's good to keep up good stock. I was really good with that for a few years because I had lots left over from university. Uh, when I did when I did part of a forensics degree and only used like three scalpels over two semesters, <laughs> uh, but I eventually did burn through all of those and I ran out of lovely sharp uh, blades. Uh, so yes, it's it's important to uh, keep your tools sharp, keep them clean. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing you don't want is you don't want like rust building up. A because if it cuts you, you don't want to get tetanus. Don't <laughs> don't risk that. That's awful. Uh, but B, uh, if if your hobby blades rust up, and this will happen either if you've got like you know a cup of water for mixing green stuff or something on the table, or if you're cutting green stuff and you wet the blade, be careful to dry it uh, very quickly afterwards, just to be sure that you know it's staying in good condition. Um, because another issue that I have had uh, in the past, back when I first got back into the hobby, was uh, my blade got rusted inside the handle of the, my hobby knife, and I was unable to remove it <laughs> and had to buy a brand new one to put a new blade in. <laughs> Which was a bit of a shame, because, uh, yeah, like I said, the blades are not super expensive, but the handles, yeah, oh, that's where they get you. That's where they get you. Those are, those are worth actual money. Um, but it's, it, it's worth, I think it's sorry. I'm actually literally replacing my blade mm. as we speak because ah, I, I good, realized it's good. looking quite rusty. So <laughs> I'm looking at it thinking, mm, yeah, that needs changing. So yeah, mm. no, I've just swapped it out. Um, I get these ones. I think I think they're called over here in the UK. They're by a, a brand called Swan and Norton. Yeah. I think yeah, um, I they they're they're quite a popular brand. They are, and like I said, they do actual scalpels because. Mm. A hobby knife and a scalpel can be two different things. And yeah, yeah. so, whereas I get these in packs of 50 and that's quite good. They come in, the the blades come in mm. little, little packets like that. You just, yeah, then you can yeah. sort of chuck them away. And uh, yeah, it, I think it's, it's so crucial having a good, not just the blade, but also the handle as well. Because mm. I've gone uh, uh, through a few of these. Uh, this one is an American one. It's called Excel USA this one and yeah. that's what it recommended and it's rubber um and also oh. it's got the which makes it just grip you know it's just a nicer grip mm. um and yeah. also it's got one of those where you you remove the blade by uh twisting mm. the bottom of it to, yeah. to you know so it doesn't because again that's another crucial thing don't make sure your blade is in the, in the handle yes. correctly yes because <laughs> that can be an app I've, I've 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 had that before in the past where i've clearly not locked it incorrectly i think on an old mm. on an old blade you've i've gone yeah. to then sort of cut something off and then the blade goes <laughs> it's okay uh, like 45 degrees and you're yeah. like no yeah that's not good so yeah, yeah. <laughs> little things but it's worth it though yeah yeah so keep them sharp keep them rust free keep them properly placed in their handles uh <laughs> <laughs> that will go a long, long way to keeping you safe. Um, now, uh, when I said earlier, be sensible. One of the big general pieces of advice with be sensible is always cut away from yourself. Never cut towards yourself. However, we all know that's not always a hundred percent possible. Very true. <laughs> Especially like like in in general building and like DIY stuff. Absolutely, always possible all the time. You're working with much bigger pieces. You're working with much less detail. Sometimes you're going to have to cut around like a tiny little corner, say if you're cutting Mortarian's foot off, <laughs> yeah. which I, I did that. Um, sometimes it is impossible 
to cut directly away from yourself. Um, in this case, if you do have to push the knife essentially towards either your hand or another part of your body, be very careful, be extremely slow and precise, and do your best to turn cutting towards yourself into cutting vaguely in the general direction of yourself. Um, for example, if you're holding a part down with your left hand and cutting with your right and you have to push towards it, illustrating Matt what I mean, what you can <laughs> do is you can angle your hand up and push the blade down so you're actually cutting towards your cutting mat rather than yeah. towards the uh, the lovely lovely fleshy bit in between your pointer <laughs> and your thumb. You don't want to cut that, trust me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, in, in general, see, see if you can maneuver yourself around. I know some of us don't have big spaces uh, at which we do our hobby, but even That's if right. you just angle yourself a little bit differently... It'll go a long way. It'll go such a long way. It'll be so much safer. Please do that. Another thing I just thought of, actually, just because, again, it sprung to mind, because mm. it's something I've done recently. Obviously, a lot of people use the hobby knife to obviously get rid of mold lines. It's a very effective mm. way of doing it, where you use the back of the blade. Or you can use the mm. front. It depends which way, but I prefer using the back. Now, what can happen, especially when you've got very awkward mold lines, especially on some of the older kits, yeah. i.e. they're quite thick, so they take a lot of scraping, yeah. What can often happen, and I've done this recently, where I've literally almost sheared away the skin on my mm. thumb, where yeah. obviously you're, you know, you're often got one finger on the side of the blade to control it, and then often, mm. you know, you'll have your thumb sort of holding the blade, so you know, so you can go scrape, scrape, scrape like that. Yeah. Now, is to use the the bottom bit of the blade because if you notice on most of these blades, there's a, there's a straight bit right down the bottom mm. before it hits the handle, and that's not yeah. sharp. And so no, it's actually making no. sure you put your thumb on that bit rather than bit higher, which is what <laughs> I've done, where you're sort of you're, you're scraping mold lines and you're thinking, hang on, why is there skin coming from my finger as I scrape? <laughs> and it's because obviously you're, 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 as you're moving, mm. the, you're, you're coming into contact with the, the sharp side of the blade. So, yeah, but again, another yes. thing, you know, be yeah, careful yeah. in that regard. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, or if you can afford it, the Citadel mold line remover is a treasure. Yeah. It's actually really good. And it, the thing is, it is sharp, but it's sharp on, like, a square angle, so it's super easy to just not touch that bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to a hobby blade, which, while cheaper and more convenient, is, yeah, you, you put your finger on a knife. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dangerous hobby. Dangerous hobby, everyone. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want both, ultimately, in your toolkit. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. I mean, you're always going to have a hobby knife, realistically, but, yeah, having mm. both is the best way, because then the, the mold line remover is good for those big, open mold lines you know the ones yeah. where and then obviously the the hobby knife is good for the little ones where the room yeah. you know the mold line remover can't get to so yeah it's mm, nice to have mm. both in that Absolutely. regard um and just as an aside for uh cutting in general with a hobby saw a lot of the times you should try and cut a guideline first with your hobby knife just because mm -hmm. A, the hobby knife is a lot more precise. Um, I talked about this a lot in this uh, video that will never surface. Um, but essentially, the hobby saw is really efficient for cutting quickly through things and cutting through thicker pieces of plastic that you would never get through with your hobby knife. But it eats up a lot of space. Like, it's almost a millimeter wide line that just gets That's right, obliterated yeah. through the whole thing. Um, if you cut a small guideline, you can be sure you're going to be precise. It doesn't have to be super deep either. Uh, you can sure you, be sure you're going to be precise, and uh, that initial groove to cut into will prevent uh, a lot of instances of where your hand twitches or just the teeth don't bite properly, and the hobby yeah. saw likes to jump 
off to one side, which can A, scratch up your model, very sad, and B, if your fingers are anywhere near, can hook into your skin, and that's also no good. Don't want yes. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a no-no <laughs> no, in no, our no. books. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, some stuff to do with clippers. Mm. If you are clipping a piece, try your best to have a good grip on it, otherwise it may become a small rocket bouncing around your room aiming for your eye. Uh, when clipping, if you can, wear eye protection. Some of yeah. us have it uh, naturally built in, as I point at my glasses. <laughs> yeah, uh, They're yeah. not perfect, but they, they stop a lot of stuff flying into my eyes. Um, otherwise, just a pair of safety glasses are generally pretty cheap. You can get them at hardware stores and things like that. Because um, you're just dealing with the same stuff. You know, a splinter of plastic or a splinter of wood is going to do the same thing if it gets in your eye. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that applies to so much of the hobby. And like I say, clipping mm. is the worst, especially when you're doing quite stubborn things. And like you say, they ping off everywhere. And the amount of times mm. I've literally hit my glasses <laughs> is yeah. uh, unreal when I'm wearing them. And yeah, anything like, you know, I've recently started airbrushing and, mm. you know, you've got chem- you know, you've got thinner and other chemicals, you know, yeah. around. Yeah. So yeah, any, there's no harm to, you know, it's, it's part of the, the good thing is about our hobby, I find, is that a lot of these things that you buy for a particular reason, it's multi-purpose most of the time. Yeah. You know, like we were saying about the hobby knife, that safety, you know, goggles or glasses are good, whether you're airbrushing, clipping, uh, anything, mm. sawing, because there's all, you know, all yeah. the plastic dust gets around. Uh, same with respirators or, you know, uh, or mm. masks as such like, because obviously, again, you know, you use that often for, you know, potentially... Uh, you know, spraying rattle cans again, airbrushing yeah. and things like that. Yeah. You know, again, it's not a bad thing to have that, you know, no, so that you can no. use for sort of two or three different ways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and with that, we'll move off of sharp objects over to chemicals. Uh, yes. Tip one, if you can get a mask or respirator, it never hurts. No. Um, they are not a hundred percent necessary, uh, but they're like they're like one half of a coin because one half of the coin is have a mask or respirator. The other half of a coin is have a well ventilated area. Yes. You'll do well with either of these. Having both is great; mm. would be fantastic, but can be a bit of a hassle. Or like if you live in a small apartment, you're obviously not going to have as good a chance at a good ventilation. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just really depends on what space is available to you. But even just basic stuff like putting together your plastic miniatures. I like to, at the very least, run the air conditioner. Like, I do it <laughs> yeah. I do it in my living room, which is like a big open space that connects up to the kitchen. We've always got an open window, like, leading out back. But if I don't have the air conditioner on helping to actively move air around, the fumes can get pretty noxious, uh, especially yeah. the, the longer you're at it. Like, if you're just putting together one model, probably fine. If you're putting together a whole squad of ten, it might start getting to your head. Um, now, I've got a long history of... Uh, I can't call it substance abuse because none of it was deliberate and none of them were illicit substances, but <laughs> got a long history of being poisoned chemically. Let's say that. Um, <laughs> I was a bit too tall in university, kept hitting my head on the fume hoods in the chemistry labs and accidentally inhaling things. Um, so I'm pretty used to it. So it doesn't bother me as much. Um, but if you're, if you're getting into the hobby, if you're using a particular brand of glue for the first time, you may find yourself taken by surprise. So, you know, pay attention to how you're feeling. Um, make sure there's a good airflow or you're wearing a respirator. Uh, if you feel like tightness in your chest or nausea or a, a headache coming on, stop, put a cap on whatever you're using, get the air moving, take a break, you know, go get some clean air if you need to step out the front of your house or whatever, have a breather. Um, because you don't want to pass out in a pile of glue and plastic. That's not good for you. It's not good for your purchase. No. Um, <laughs> 
And and I was going to say is as as well. You've mm. also got to think of others. Like think you know because again, mm. oh yeah, you know I know some people have dedicated hobby areas and and can be away from you know for your family etc. But you know some people often hobby you know in their lounge in their kitchen mm. whatever space they've yeah. got. And again, same reasons. You know if you, if what you're using is creating fumes, think about them as well. I mean mm. I'm sure they'll tell you. You know, yeah. <laughs> if things yeah, are, are not <laughs> smelling or or they're not feeling good, but yeah, mm. you know, again, think of others, not just yourself as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that is particularly like with plastic glue tends to have like a lot of fumes going on, uh, but super glue has its own fair deal of stuff going on if you leave <laughs> it open for a bit. Yeah, I, I find I find plastic glue is universally like funky. But super glue, like brand to brand, some super glues are not as bad as others, that kind of thing. Um, if you're using resins, uh, whether it's a resin epoxy or like UV resin or something, that also tends to produce fumes. Um, if you're curing UV resin, you can literally see the fumes forming. Uh, yeah. Little bits of steam coming off, that kind of thing. Uh, so just, yeah, keep an eye on all that. You know, again, watch out. You've only got two lungs. You can live with one, but it kind of sucks. So, you know, keep them in good shape. Yep, um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we want we want to be self aware about what we're putting into our bodies. Um, now, while we're on the subject of glues and other chemicals, super glue deserves its own little section because not only does it produce fumes, but it is a real, real son of a bitch when it comes <laughs> to just getting on everyone, everything within like a twenty foot radius of you. That stuff does not quit. Now, a lot of superglue uh, comes in just like the little toothpaste style tubes that so you squeeze mm-hmm. it. Those are usually fine. Uh, my number one tip, be super careful how hard you squeeze those because I have had the, one of them backfire on me and like split open on the back into my oh, hand because I squeezed nasty. it too hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, just be careful with those. Um, be careful with your application. Only put superglue exactly where you want it to be. Uh, Because otherwise, it'll end up on the table, and then your arm will become part of the table for a a short period of very unpleasant time. Uh, And in general, yeah, just watch where it gets. If it gets on your hand, it's going to go everywhere. Your fingers are going to stick together. Like, this is a little inevitable, but um, yeah, again, again, varies brand by brand as well. Some some super glues are super liquidy. I hate those. Can't trust them. You put them on something and they find the tiniest crack in the model and just flow straight through it out the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a I had a terrible, terrible time of that with my smog model. <laughs> like I would glue a wing in and then I would be like, why can't I take my hand off the other side of this dragon? Because it had flown through like this pinhole yeah. gap that went the entire way through the model. <laughs> it was awful. It was terrible. Um, I like to use Gorilla Glue. They have like a gel style. Yeah, I use them. gel. Yeah. Yeah. Those are so good, um, and uh, they're really strong, and you don't need to use that much. Uh, with super glue in particular, volume is important because if you put too much on, you put the two parts together, it will go yeah. everywhere. You really yep. don't want that. Um, again, if you're dealing with super glue, have something on your eyes. You don't want to glue your eyes shut. <laughs> no, that is a very good tip, yeah. Solid tip. Yeah. Uh, do your best to breathe through your nose. If you're not wearing a mask or respirator, uh, keep your mouth shut. Because I have gotten super glue on my tongue before, and I can tell you that is a uniquely unpleasant experience. Um. <laughs> I, actually, one one thing I, I just thought of just before, again, before we move mm. on, is that yeah. uh, this is not necessarily just, it is a bit of a safety thing, but you know what you were saying about uh, mm. being careful how much you squeeze out? And this applies mm. to 
you know, super glue or any other glues. What I tend yeah. to do before I use glue and even in between glue and stuff, so not just the start of mm. the session, you know, your hobby session yeah. using glue for the first time, but even throughout as you're gluing is I tend to either put a, try it on my cutting mat first or I have a mm. bit of paper or a bit of plastic, yeah. something spe- yeah. that you don't really care about. And I just, even, even if it's plastic glue, like, the, you know, like the Revel uh, yeah. one, where I'll just, because again, it's so easy because I've had it before where you, you go to squirt it and it's stuck, you know, where it's just dried up mm. in the, in the nozzle and therefore yeah. you need to, you know, release the gates basically by you know scraping yeah. it out or whatever. And then it pours out. And again, that's where yeah. you can get it everywhere. You oh, can get it absolutely. on your fingers. I've had that before. So yeah, have yeah. it, you know, just have a little area just to the side of something where you don't really care what, what, you know, again, cut it, you cut it, that's fine. You know, ultimately yeah. um, it, it's not a problem. That's what they're there for. So yeah, just, mm. just, just dribble it just to make sure that it's flowing. Okay. You're like, yeah, mm. that's fine. Mm. And then, you know, get on with the glue in your model and then put it aside carry on you know cleaning up the parts before you move on and and glue again it's just it's again it's a very simple thing but it's so worth it i mean sometimes i'll use the sprues sometimes i'll use the cardboard boxes hmm. that the kit that i'm building come in because again it's going to yeah. get chucked so just just you know just tap a bit of glue hmm. on it just make sure it's everything's flowing well it's such a yeah. little thing but it's worth it though absolutely um speaking of like the, the almighty flow having to be released um that's an odd segue. <laughs> Thanks, Brain. Uh, if, you're, if your glue you're using has one of those little metal needle applicators, like a lot of yeah. the lot of plastic glues and stuff do, if that does get clogged up, a lot of the times you can just scrape it off or pull mm-hmm. the glue out the end. Uh, if that doesn't work, don't pull the thing out and just use it without it. Uh, you can actually just grab that needle in a pair of tweezers or your clippers or a pair of pliers, and if you hold it over a candle flame or a lighter flame for about a minute, that will... Uh, melt and then evaporate any glue left in there and you can stick it right back in and it should function just fine yeah i do that all the time yeah it is it is worth it for the continued precision uh that you get from having the actual proper applicator yeah oh yeah it's because yeah with those revel glues which obviously Mm. a lot of us use yeah as soon as you take that you know that applicator out and then i've had it where you know you start hacking away at the plastic because again it's stuck with mm. glue and it, it's never the same again and no, yeah it's no. it's not never and it's it, i definitely using a lighter it's funny because the amount of times i've i've gone up in upstairs in the evening to bother my wife while she's having a bath she's like, what are you doing in here and i'm like i just need the lighter because obviously she's got more things to light you know those uh, those big lighters the you know the, mm. the gun looking ones which uh, yeah. she uses for her candles i'm like give me the lighter <laughs> <laughs> i need to burn some glue yeah uh, that's my husband uh, and yep. uh, yeah <laughs> and yeah it's, it's again it's a little thing i mean sometimes not even a minute sometimes a few seconds will do yeah. just put it right yeah. under the thing and you'll see it because and the and it'll start uh like camera said it'll start evaporating and then yeah off you go mm. yeah absolutely final super glue specific tip hey mm. here's a super useful habit i've picked up you know when you go to a fancy restaurant they give you that little napkin and you put it out over your waist mm. um do that with a tea towel or something if you're working with liquid super glue not gel super glue yeah um <laughs> i have in the past very narrowly avoided uh this is slightly graphic but nothing bad actually happened i've very narrowly avoided gluing my scrotum scrotum to the inside of my thigh uh wow that's because, a mission. yeah because uh well this was when the uh the super glue exploded in my hand uh <laughs> it fell right out of my hand directly onto my lap 
uh, <laughs> went through my shorts into my underwear and glued my underwear to my thigh and narrowly avoided gluing anything more delicate to my thigh. Um, so yeah, this, that's why I don't use liquid superglues. That's why I like to use gel superglues. But uh, if you are using liquid superglues, have something absorbent on your lap just in case. Like, yeah. It was painful peeling my boxes off of my leg. You don't need to go through that. <laughs> that is a weird ritual for Sinesh Cameron, but you know yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's all it takes all sorts. So. All sorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, that's it in general. It's like think about what could go wrong. Do your best to mitigate it, but don't let it stop you doing your hobby. Um, no, take good care absolutely. of your take good care of your tools. Take good care of your your body itself uh, when it comes to fumes and chemicals, and you should be fine. Yeah. Uh, everyone everyone bleeds a little. Uh, as I said to Matt, if I <laughs> if I don't bleed on a big project, was it really a big project? Um, that, <laughs> that has its own bit of truth. Um, although fortunately, I'm very proud to say most of the bleeding I've done is when I've accidentally picked up a model the wrong way and like impaled my finger on a spike or something. Uh, that's usually how it goes these days. But every that's now and fair. again, yeah, every now and again, for example, I have a terribly stubbed toe. I then brush that toe against something while I'm cutting and jump and slice my finger open, which is what <laughs> happened earlier to me. Um, so, yeah, be safe with your hobby. It's a yeah. really great hobby, um, but you need your fingers for it, more yes. or less. Uh, so please take take care of those hands. Take care of your eyes and your mouth and all the other bits of you that are vulnerable to chemical attack. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want to die for this. We just want to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we certainly don't. I think is I I think you know as as much as like I said we've shared some advice here. Just ask other people because mm, I think yeah. I think this hobby, especially the the hobby side of it, the physical building mm. and painting and etc is a very layered experience in the sense that mm. you know you generally start off with basic stuff and then you know you may feel a bit confident one day go oh, i'm gonna try this for the first time i'm you know yeah. this, this is a an area i've never touched before you know a bit again a bit mm. like me at the moment with airbrushing but you know you see it with other things we're like oh i've never used you know uh resin before i've never done this before you know and mm. it, it, you know and it you know it can be daunting because obviously you you know you you want to get it right um, yeah. Not just for the safety perspective, but also because you want the end result to look right. You don't want to waste your money. Yeah. You don't want to, you yeah. know, whatever you're, you're worried about. So, but the good thing is with this hobby, everyone, not everyone, but there's a collection of people around, especially with the internet now, who have gone through the same experience or uh, have recently become an expert in something because they, yeah. they, they, were, they were you six months ago and gone, right, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and, and, and see how I get on with it. So yeah, definitely. Mm. You know, if, if you're a bit intimidated by something, ask. Like I said, that's exactly what I've done with airbrushing. I've gone oh, to yeah. you know a couple of the guys on on our Discord who I'm mates with, you know, and said, "Look, what what do I need? What do I need to do? How do I go about it?" You know, Adrian on via WhatsApp uh, on, mm. uh, on the on the on the <laughs> camera helped me for two and a half hours the other day on how to get yeah. stuck. You know, started on airbrushing, which was mm. invaluable. I know not everyone has that experience and ha- you know is lucky to have someone that's on tap to help but you know google it go on reddit go on all the forums so you know there's the the advice is out there just go and find mm. it <laughs> if oh, you're yeah. really not sure about something and and again if you're concerned about safety in regard mm. to something because there's certain things like again like airbrushing and some of the the resin related things you're thinking yeah i could do with a bit of research you know like I said, research things before you go the route because, again, it's so easy to go that route and forgo 
the safety aspect, you know, of certain yeah. things. You know, again, going back to airbrushing, you know, there's reason why people have fans and spray booths and, mm. you know, and wear respirators because, you know, believe me, I like, I, I started, you know, the other, again, the other day when, when I, uh, my first airbrushing session, I uh, was, you know, starting to spray. And again, it was just getting the thinner through it. And I, I forgot I hadn't mm. put my respirator on. It was only for a, literally a couple of minutes, but you can, you can feel it in the, you know, in in yeah. the air, you can you, those fumes are coming through. Like, oh, yeah, respirator on, please. So yeah, yeah, it's it's so easy to forget. But you know, like you said, it's it, you can easily make these mistakes, and obviously, if it affects your health, then you know, yeah, that's yeah. not good. Like, and you want it to avoid it. Yeah, like a little bit probably won't hurt, but uh, no. don't make a habit out of it. <laughs> exactly. <your> best. <laughs> exactly. You know, you can get away with small things, but yeah, you want it if you know it's going to be a regular thing. Mm. Do it. It's it's the way the way it is so cool yeah. cool bit of advice right okay well hopefully that's helped people i'm sure it has <laughs> uh, through our mistakes <laughs> yeah we, we bleed mistakes. for you <laughs> <laughs> we bleed so you don't have to exactly so <laughs> so uh, let's have a have a mix up of the of the subjects here so what i wanted to talk about today was so I said on our recent episode, our Realm episode, that um, I have been watching and reading a lot of Warhammer Fantasy stuff uh, because mm. it's something that I used to enjoy back in the day. I haven't touched it since I was a wee lad and it was in fourth and fifth <laughs> edition. And yeah. I, you know, sort of, it, it gets you thinking. Obviously, you naturally think, oh, yeah, I remember the cool stuff of, of fantasy. And obviously, that, you know, they got rid of it. And obviously, that's why we have Age of Sigma now. And, you know, that's obviously a, a very you know, a very uh, interesting <laughs> subject for different people. I'm not looking to talk mm. about that per se, but it got me thinking, what happens if they did that for 40K? So mm. I don't think we've spoke about this subject before particularly. No. I hope we haven't. I don't, I don't think we have. Never I don't think have. we've, you know, we've, we've spoke about the future of 40K and, yeah. you know, what happens if the emperor died and all that sort of stuff. But, but you know, what happens, what, what would happen if, like I said, they, they, they AOS'd, 40k mm. basically yeah. you know they um oh man on on different levels i'm not saying that obviously they i don't think they ever would i'm not saying this is a no, thing i'm just sort no. of you know we're talking hypothetically here and i was sort of thinking to myself well obviously the first thing is would that be a good or a bad thing um again i yeah. suppose it's a bit like it's a bit like fantasy to aos there would be some people that would would be all for it and there'd obviously some people that would be dead against it and yeah i just sort of thought to myself would it be, yeah again would it be a good thing so let's say they did it okay so say mm. they they're you know for some reason gw are not happy with the way 40k is going which yeah uh, i don't you know again for i would never believe because again it is doing very no. well <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, doing so well. <laughs> it's their prominent game you know so again this is it would never realistically happen but yeah uh, you know I, I you could uh, and i was thinking how would we go about it so let's say you know you and i are in charge mm. of AOSing 40k, so we we want yes. it needs rebooting basically, yeah, yeah. completely. Um, so that would be the law, that would be the you know, the game itself. Potentially, you know, obviously, the models would be affected by that as well. And you know, where would go with it? Now, would you? Okay, this this I'll throw some questions out to you first. Would you go backwards or forwards potentially with it, or would you actually? Would you even keep it in the same universe? Mm. See, I think I've got a great idea for how this would work because we have okay. the groundwork. We have the groundwork all here, you know. Yeah. 
at the moment we're very Imperium focused. There's the Imperium proper and then Imperium Nihilus, and in betwixt is that terrible thing we never talk about, the big wound in the sky. Don't look up. Don't look <laughs> up. Um, but I've been thinking about this a bit lately. Um, in Warhammer Fantasy, in the old world, there was always that chaos rift at the pole, uh, mm-hmm. and that ended up being the end of the world because Archeon went in there and opened it up proper and swallowed yep. the entire old world. Um, but the thing is, we've got this big chaos rift just sitting there. It's the Cicatrix Maledictum. It's literally the Great Rift. What would happen if, you know, because, you know, chaos spills out and grows more powerful through terrible things happening, the mm-hmm. 41st millennium is a terrible place. Yep. I mean, what happens if a crusade gets stuck inside the Great Rift and just keeps fighting and yep. keeps fighting and exponentially the slaughter grows and the chaos grows and one day the rift just overflows and swallows the entire galaxy? And for however many thousands of years, we could be vague. We could say it's exactly 60. Let's say it's 60,000 years. We go to Warhammer 100,000. The entire (laughs) galaxy is covered in warp storms that entire time. There are small Mm -hmm. safe pockets here and there, uh, much like when um, the birth of Sinesh, there were these terrible warp storms preceding that, but the soul system itself was relatively safe from them. It was relatively sheltered, while the rest of the galaxy was all messed up. Um, so there's little pockets here and there that are all right, but they're very small. There's a population limit on them and everything else caught out there is in a terrible alien world is getting thrown back and forth in time, all that kind of stuff. And after 60,000 years, the warp rift slowly recedes and shrinks back and doesn't quite close up, but it's mostly closed. Um, and this is our Warhammer dark future. And we've mm-hmm. gone from the Imperium covers the entire galaxy and is desperately trying to maintain control to the Imperium is going out into a galaxy that has been irrevocably changed from everything they knew. It might not even be the Imperium at this point. It's the scattered remnants another 60,000 years on. Uh, and it's more of a discovery style because the best thing about Age of Sigma is that it feels expansive like that. There's room for all these brand new, sweet, awesome things getting getting in there. Because so much of the realms are undiscovered, they're untouched. Yeah. Um, yeah, like literally, drown the galactic map in warp energy, let it stew for 60,000 years, <laughs> pull it back, and this is our design space. You know, what have the tower been up to, being relatively resistant to warp energy? They might be the, the preeminent force in the galaxy all of a sudden. The Imperium is probably a ragged, ragtag group of, like, dogmatic people. <laughs> I mean, same as they are now, but on a massively less enforceable scale, like galaxy-wide, they're not in control of everything anymore, you know. The Eldar might have changed or mutated. Half their range is out of date as it is anyway. I mean, come on. Um, (laughs) What happens to Tyranids when this happens? What happens to Orcs when this happens? Yeah. Uh, And what new species have popped up in this 60,000 years, inundated in, like, the terror of chaos and the, uh, the chaos realm just soaking the entire galaxy? Yeah. I think that would be the way to do it. It's got a bit of a parallel with Warhammer Fantasy, but it it's uh, less less removed than Age of Sigmar is, where, you know, oh yeah, the old world's right up there. Sigmar's got it hanging up in the sky. <laughs> On his mantelpiece, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, <laughs> these, these realms are entirely physically unrelated and go, no, no, no. This is what used to be Warhammer 40k. This used mm. to be the galaxy. Mm. What is it now? And like answering yeah. those questions. And every now and again, you dig up like a beaky helmet and go, oh, 
do you remember <laughs> brothers and all the all the like post transformation imperium space marines mm. with their flowing hair and their fantastic looks and their nuclear power packs built into their shoulders go ah yeah. oh, yes we remember the times before what times they were <laughs> or something like that i don't know um yeah it would be an interesting way to shift things up you can mm. still keep the old models again it's a warp storm. People get flung back and forth and yeah. all the time. Yeah. Who, who's to say that a company worth of Ultramarines doesn't pop up in a hundred thousand years time? And go, <laughs> yeah. What the, what the <laughs> devil's going on here? <laughs> that kind of stuff. But it would allow for like big changes to the current factions and so much room for new stuff. I think it would yeah. be really great. This is what this is what I find great <laughs> is the fact that we we so think alike on this sort of thing because I was writing some notes mm. up this morning actually before of what, what i was thinking on this and yeah that is exactly how i would like things to be played um admittedly i didn't think i forgot about the great raft i was thinking yeah. more you know <laughs> it could be that the you know what we've discussed on this show before where the tyranids you know effectively mm. take over you know all the necrons you know one of the two yeah. where they they sort of completely dominate the galaxy i would love to see a a a 40k universe which isn't focused on the imperium where like you said they're they're a small player or they're you know they're a bit like a bit like the eldar Mm, are now where they're a dying race where they're they're fighting i know obviously the imperium in current 40k is having a hard time but again it's so vast it's so big you know it's not going anywhere no. Whereas the Eldari are really, you know, really struggling at, the, mm. at this time, and yeah, I'd love to see yeah humans in the in the same sort of realm, and it, mm. it it would be great because it would it would like you said it would have the it would still have the context of the old forty k universe because effectively yeah. it is the same universe. I mean, you, mm. you could have a parallel universe, i.e., the Great Rift opens up, envelops the whole galaxy, and mm. spits it out, and things are t- literally turned on their head. Where yeah. you know it's almost like if you wanted it to not, if you didn't want a, an actual time shift, so yeah. you know it's not Warhammer hundred k, but you wanted it to still be Warhammer forty k, but yeah. things have completely you know flipped on their head is because of you know of because of the warp, you know that explains yeah. everything yeah. in this universe. It seems to be, <laughs> and uh, it, yeah, you know the the Great Rift opens everything up, and then like you said that I and it's funny actually. I swear in my notes, I, I actually put one. Well, what happens if the Tau were like a dominant force in the in the in yeah. this new universe? And yeah. it'd be great because you know it would it would it would I don't know give some life to forty k because at the moment mm. I feel you know forty k is in a funny place law wise. Yeah. I yeah. think you know we've we've seen a good lot happen recently in in recent years. Obviously with the Primaris, we've seen all the things that have happened in Psychic Awakening, and obviously the Great Rift itself. Mm. You know they mm. they've. You know, it's like it's like a modern day Eye of Terror, basically, because obviously that used to be the thing. You know, when we were younger in the hobby, where you know that was the big thing in the in in the uh, in the uh, galaxy. But mm. it, it, I don't know. It, I know we're repeating ourselves, but it, it feels like that AOS is, I don't know, a bit more exciting at the moment because of that. Oh, yeah. Like you said, that that discovery <laughs> element, the fact that mm. you can throw stuff in. And it's fine because they, this is an undiscovered part of the realm or, you know, yeah. Nagash has done something foolish and oh, look what he's done now. <laughs> Whereas I, I find at the moment with the 40K law, I feel sometimes they're not really sure what they're wanting to do with things. Again, mm. we saw it with Psychic Awakening. We saw it with Vigilus. We may yeah. see it again with the new campaign book that comes out where you sort of feel like, 
factions are thrown together, things happen, but nothing's of any consequence. I know yeah, when we, you know yeah. when we spoke about, for example, Broken Realms, Marathi, and we're like, "Wow, mm. look what's happened!" You know, and it, you know, yeah. like big things. It feels like it's always little steps of forty k, and yeah. they become forgettable, yeah. which is a, is a shame. Yeah, yeah. I think what forty k really needs to do it doesn't need to do the full reset, but that is kind of what no. we're talking about. But I think it needs to remember that while 40k has like a current time, uh, which is like just after the Indominus Crusade is kind of current time 40k, um, it doesn't have to be focused on that. Like games, uh, and I feel like this happened a lot more in earlier editions of 40k, games are potentially historical. They don't have to be mm. on the dial of 999M41 at midnight, which is what it was until <laughs> yeah, yeah, 8th yeah. edition kicked off. They didn't have to take place then. There were so many characters, like special characters that you could play who were dead by then. Um, yeah. There is still Captain Tycho of the Blood Angels. He's dead. Yes. He's still... He, you can still buy his model and stuff, but mm. he's been dead for literal centuries at this point, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he's still still hanging around. Um, they need to be bold. Like, mm. my one yes. my one big disappointment with um the visualist books, like, they were really fun. A lot of cool stuff happened. But in the end, it was kind of, like you said, nothing of major consequence. Yeah. But when that first visualist book came out, and in, like, the first four pages, Marnius Kalgar was, like, nearly dead on an operating table. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. okay, we're going place. And then, and then in the last book, in the second book, I should say, you know, Abaddon's about to kill him and has to teleport away to save his ship. You could have said Abaddon while teleporting away just grabs Gilliman's head and teleports with half his body or something with yeah. the other half there Gilliman's uh not Gilliman god uh Kalga Kalga beg pardon Kalga's and say Kalga's dead sure he's got a nice new shiny primaris model guess what he ain't he ain't sticking around we've got this <laughs> new character Felix he's cool yeah. he can be yeah. he can be a new leader for ultramarine lore could, yeah. and fiction yeah. But here's Marnius. He's got his cool rules. He was a Primaris character for all of mm. 10 years or whatever in-game. Mm -hmm. Like, here, he's got his cool rules. He's great. We love him. Wonder what could have happened if he'd stuck around longer. F play and find out. But he's dead now. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they need to move forward and make things happen and make room for new characters as well. Like, there are so many guard characters that should no longer be on the page. No, of course like, Yarrick is 300 years old. He is at <laughs> he is at the literal limit of human technology. Like, you don't live longer than that unless they put your brain in a jar in the 41st mm. millennium. Like, he, he's he's an old man. He's getting on. Um, I mean, Harker, uh, Strachan, all of those guys, they're not going to live much longer. Like, it's been 100 years or so since then. We don't know what's happened with them. They haven't come up, come up in the fiction. It's probably because they're dead. Guess what? We've got room for new characters. Ripper Jackson. Give yeah. her a whole whole book series and cool rules and stuff, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Severina Rain. Uh well, Severina Rain has her whole book series and a cool and cool rules, I guess, so good on her. Um we want that room for growth and that kind of thing, like and actual growth. Like every every year something big happens in AOS. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, when we first started this podcast, it was like, Oh, AOS has been ticking along for a couple of years. What's happening now? Oh, Marathi's back. Oh, Marathi's back. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then you know a couple of years later things have been ticking on a little bit. And, oh, here's Techless. There you go. Who, who? Who? What? Why is he here? Good God, what's happening? And it should be like that. Like 
I don't want to say I don't want to be focused on Primarchs. I think this should not be just Primarchs, but like no, being equivalent power from all the factions. But like you know, and we've had that a little bit recently. Like here's the Silent King. I'm like cool. How does this completely shake up the world? Oh, it doesn't do anything yeah. yet. Yeah, it should should have done something by now. Like the Silent King should have been. Oh, he's back, baby, and also he's taken half of the Imperium proper or something. Like the Necrons have swept in and uh the Imperium's down to three quarters or whatever, you know, um, sometime this year we should have, like, Angron shows up, and what's that? Uh, Armageddon's gone for good this time, it's Angron <laughs> 2, Angron harder. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, big, th- big things should happen, Yeah, you know, like, big players should make their appearances and do something big, like Broken Realms and Rathi. Mm. Rathi had been around for a bit, and then she got her own special campaign book, which went, Marathi's incredible. Here's exactly how good she is. She did this. And we yeah. all went, oh, we yeah. like <laughs> That was, again, I can't get over that book. That book was the most incredible leap forward in lore. Yeah, it, it was really like, was. It's a single book, great storyline, fantastic implications to come. Uh, and we're seeing more and more of it for Age of Sigma. Like that, this is the day after the, uh, the Age of Sigma Lords of the Realms stream. Bellicor's coming back. We know that. We're all excited for that. Lumineth is coming. There's all kinds of stuff happening. We want that level of interest and excitement. Like, new new stuff for 40K is cool. But it yeah. doesn't have that same narrative push that all this stuff coming out for AOS has. And I think that's yeah. what it needs. Yeah, Give it, it does. It, <laughs> it, need, it needs that sort of narrative shot in the arm, doesn't it, I think, 40K? Because mm. the thing is, it, it what I find a shame is that, you know, you and I, we've Again, going back to Yarrick, we've you know we've covered yeah. Armageddon many you know many months ago, mm. and it, it's memorable. You you know mm. people remember you know people remember man, we remember yeah. Armageddon you know because oh, yeah. of the the stories of Gaskell and Yarrick. Whereas mm. I find you know the modern day forty k stories, I don't know, just lacking that. Like there's some things yeah. you go, yeah, Primaris came along, yeah, the the Great Rift happened. It's like. There's cool bits, you know. We, you and I, mm. have covered some really cool little bits in the lore, but again, a lot of it doesn't feel memorable, and it, yeah. it just feels like like there's no real. It's always safe. It's that playing it safe yeah. mentality, and, yeah. and it's a shame, really, because I think it's what 40k needs. And like you said, because and the Great Rift is actually a perfect way to actually mm. explain or allow it. Because, like, for example, yeah. because of timey wiminess and and mm-hmm. all that, you know, where it, you know it's it's a day over here, but for these people, they've been away for a hundred years because of you know yeah. the, the time and space, etc. That allows you for to play that model on the tabletop, like that. You know, this mm. you know this character, you can play as him because he's still alive. Yeah. But guess what? Yeah. He's actually technically dead. But because oh, he's, yeah, yeah. You know, you're playing for with him in that hundred year you know, gap mm, that he was mm. still alive before, you know, yeah. over here a day later he died. And, 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 you know, that allows you to, to, to play as them. And it would, it would work because, because mm. I don't think that the, I think the tabletop version of 40 K doesn't really match the law anyway, because yeah. realistically you wouldn't have a lot of these forces coming together. You wouldn't have these no. characters fighting together. It's just, it's almost like a, you know, it's picking the best of who you've got, really. It's just a, a yeah. table of, of characters and units, put them together and go, ha, we're, we're playing on the tabletop. It's separate from the law, whereas I feel that, at least with AOS, it's more connected. You know, if you, you know, you're playing your daughter's game with Marathi, you know, I'm yeah. playing, 
uh, you know, the Lumineth with my techless, and you know that mm. it makes sense that they're fighting each other, and it has yeah. implications, and you feel that that would happen because let's not let's not forget the mortal realms are massive because you could mm. argue that oh it's not as big as the galaxy. I'm like yeah, but the mortal realms are huge. They are mm. absolutely gigantic. So it, you know it it's not like even a scale thing because obviously you could have the argument that forty k. Uh, feels a bit stretched because it, you know you've got all these factions, all these characters in completely like you know light years away yeah. from each other. Yeah. So therefore, they would you know it's hard to bind them all together. Whereas AOS is smaller, like the Mortal Realms physically are smaller, but not mm. really, not really that no, you know, no. you know, <laughs> you know, it is probably a bit smaller in that regard. So you can bind them together, but I still feel that 40k yeah. you could do it. It's just it yeah. needs, you know. Dante needs to get into a into a dreadnought, you know, things yes. like that. We need these things, these memorable things to happen because you know, mm. we've discussed this before with again going back to Vigilus, you know, there's a few things in there that were that were cool, but ultimately, can you really remember what the significance of Vigilus really like down to it? I remember the Crimson Fist doing war crimes and that's about it. Yeah, well that's it. There's <laughs> there's cool bits. I'm not I'm not but yeah, yeah. I will I will premise that I'm not you know slagging the law off no, in that no. regard because there were some cool bits it's just i just you want something meaty something like yes mm. let's let that happen that's something yeah. that you know that really changes the game up uh you know bring yeah. a new faction in which you know we may see mm. with, with 40k at some point hopefully it just feels that yeah it just needs yeah. that shot in the arm just yeah. to take it to a different level i think yeah there, there are like hooks out there that they could mm. really really pull on and i'm worried they're not going to like uh, with the Dark Imperium novels, Plague War, the end of that second book, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, is <laughs> um, Mortarian and seven Great Unclean Ones successfully poison Gilliman. They get yeah. him, but we're waiting on that next book. It's coming, we know, but I'm worried that it's going to be, and then Gilliman's armor saved him, and it was all right <laughs> in the yeah. end, as opposed to, oh, the plague strikes at the opportune moment as Gilliman is fighting Mortarian and Mortarian does whatever he wants with him. He is a big law push. Um, and because they're like, they're changing dates and times and things and that, it gives me a little hope as well. Cause it, it was like, you know, after the Indominus crusade, we did the plague wars and they went, no, no, no. Plague wars happened during the Indominus crusade. Mm. And I, I want to see something like, you know, Gilliman gets broken. He goes back yeah. to doing what he's actually good at, which is all the bureaucracy, and he's no longer allowed on the front lines because, you know, he's been literally crippled or something like that. Um, just something gutsy that does a big change, that does something. Yeah. Hell, have have um have a, have a blink in space and suddenly there's fifty billion Tau ships and people go, yeah. Where did those come from? <laughs> yeah. And the and the Tau go, Well, in about twenty thousand years we figure out time travel. Yeah. <laughs> So we decided to come back and help the fifth expansion fleet. <laughs> exactly, mate. It, you know, here's the here's the seventh expansion. Guess what? They're a brand mm. new cast, and they're evil bastards. Yeah. They're the they're the yeah. Jakari of Tau. You know, they come along <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, to torture, and you know, it's just something something significant that you know mm. you feel that the 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 the, the dynamic is changing rather than mm. you know where it feels like it's constantly in a status quo all the time. Yeah. Really, yeah, and. You know, I, I, it's probably deliberate. I, I, I get mm. that forty k must be harder in that sense because, you know, from GW's perspective, it's more risky. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's yeah. that you know, 
it's you know it's it's their baby boy it's their child it's their <laughs> you know it's it's whereas aos they can be a bit more risky with it which luckily yeah. in, in our in our opinion because obviously it's what mm. we're talking about is paying off and oh yeah big time you know it's it's and i get more and i get more excited about aos now in from the law oh, yeah. when a new book and or you know the next broken <laughs> realms is announced i'm like i can't oh, wait yeah. to see what they say whereas with 40k you know i'm not getting that same excitement and i i'm no i'm sad about that you know yeah it, and could be wrong uh, you know we could get yeah, something yeah. that may drop i'm not saying it's all doom and gloom uh, mm. Well, it is. It's the, it's well, the grim uh, dark universe. It's grim dark. But, yeah. <laughs> but it just needs something. Yeah, like Warhammer 40k, I get excited for new things mechanically. I'm like, this sounds like it'll be cool. I'll watch some great battle reports. Hopefully, eventually, I'll mm-hmm. play some great games against that <laughs> faction or with this faction. But I don't like. I don't see a Dark Angels release coming up, for example, and go, oh, what are they going to do with them? Yeah. Whereas, like, even even with like. The, even with generic AOS battle tomes, I see a new release coming. I'm not. I am excited mechanically because there's some cool stuff coming for the game. Mm. But I'm mostly excited narratively, where like you know the head knights are out. What cool extra stuff do we get on top of Broken Realms Marathi? Yeah. Digging into that currently, I want to know more about what's going on with Sigvold. That kind of stuff. They're taking these big steps narratively, and like, is 40k more balanced than Age of Sigma? Probably. Is it a more in-depth game? Probably. Is it a better game overall? I would say no, simply because no. Sigma has that narrative interest in it. Like people work so hard to bring that narrative like stake to their 40k games. Like a Crusade is a big step, but like before that came, there were people going, they're like, here I've written my hundred pages for my local group's campaign. Mm-hmm. So we explain why all the factions are here and what the stakes are, and those are super cool and those are incredible. But that's you doing all the work that Games Workshop should be doing to bring that narrative stake and excitement to you yeah. to sell you this game, which is fantastic. 40K is great. I love it. But I love it because I get to play with my cool models and like yeah. do fun things <laughs> yeah. with them rather like, God, let me reenact. Let me do the fall of Gilliman. We know Mortarion yeah. beats him on the tabletop. Let him beat him <laughs> in the law. Please, God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah, that's it, basically. Yeah, you just, you just, you know, we just need that wow factor the, that, uh, that it seems to be, you know, seems to be lacking. And I think that, mm. yeah, it, I, I, again, I, I see why it happens. I, I get it. I, I know it's yeah. risky. I appreciate that. It's just that it feels more, AOS feels like it's more fun at the moment. You're gonna, yeah. You know, like what they yeah. did with with Anvil Guard and Harkaron. You know, spoiler. Mm. Uh, you know, it, you wouldn't. I, you, know, <laughs> you need something like that. And I think, go, like you were saying about the battle tomes, the mm. and the codexes. The, the thing is, like I said, a new codex doesn't feel that exciting. I'm, I'm talking no. purely uh, yeah. lore, not not mechanics, because yeah. you know it's just effectively just going to be the history that we already know. Whereas. Mm. It, yeah. it may have a few little things in there, something a little bit new. Whereas if you know, at least with AOS, even though it'll be, you know, because obviously now we're getting the second and, th- you know, potentially third editions of um, of battle, uh, battle tomes. Yeah, of course, they're going to re- rehash some of the history. That's inevitable. But obviously because mm. significant things have happened since that battle tome, you know, so if you had like the first battle tome of a race, with its history the second yeah. one the necroquake has probably happened since then so it's yeah. so you'll have the old yeah. history but then you've got this new history and mm. then you've got the future as well of yeah. like look what where they've come now whereas 
you don't have that with the codex generally. It's no, you know, no. you know, like you just said, using the Dark Angels. Then you know, their supplement comes out. It's the Dark Angels again. Whereas yeah. if if the Lion had had been woken up mm. since then, then yeah. that would be significant because obviously you've got him, you've got his rules, and then you've got what how that happened and a whole storyline. Yeah. A bit like when Gilliman came back. You know, you can at least at least with the you know the Ultramarines and the uh, Space Marine Codexes, you go, oh well, Gilliman's back. So at least that had something. But they're yeah. so few and far between. You know, throw some more things in. Whereas, like I said, AOS, we've got so many more bigger things to to that shape the 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 landscape and all the lore. So yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it, it needs something like that. It, it it doesn't need the total Warhammer fantasy wipe. It needs a bit. No, it needs a bit more love as opposed to uh, actuaries looking at it and going, "Well, this will do the best." So let's do yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. And like, there's room for that. Like, Blackstone Fortress showed that they're willing to do some cool stuff within the mm. 41st millennium. It's just a Absolutely. matter of taking that from a specialist game and pulling it, dragging it, kicking and screaming out into the main system itself. Yeah. Uh, which I really hope for uh, in the future. It's going to be an interesting year no matter what happens. Mm. Um, Absolutely. There's lots of good fiction to capture up on. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading Gate of Bones. I've got to get that yeah. because that's yeah. like the next big step. Uh, in the Dawn of Fire stuff. So, hey, Games Workshop, we know you listen to the podcast. <laughs> Hire us. We'll do this for you. <laughs> we'll, fix, we'll fix it. All you guys got to do is make the models we ask you to make. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, give me it's Jack Khan on his Eldar jet bike. <laughs> give it to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I, th- I mean, to be fair, we, like like you said, over the next few years, we may... We may you know, mm. see these amazing things that, that will knock us back lore wise and we'll be yeah. eating humble pie. And it's, you know, and to. I hope we, and I hope we do. <laughs> I hope we do. I really yeah. do. I, I just think that, that, you know, this could be all a big plan, you know, that they just want things ticking mm. over. They've obviously embedded the great rift storyline. Yeah. Obviously, like we said, that can explain so many things. And, in and, and, I, I get why they want these little pockets everywhere. I mean, as in pockets of, you know, there's this happening over here, but this, you know, time and space over here is making this happen. So, mm. you know, they can expl- they can have lots of mini stories, which yeah, again, makes sense. You know, you can have individual war zones, you know, Vigilus and, and things, you know, and is it uh, Caradon that, that uh, yeah. will, will be down the line, you know, so again, we'll, you know, fingers crossed that there's something with that as well. Um, but yeah, I think we, we need a Primark back soon. Um, you, yeah. You're right. We don't want to be just bombarded with Primarchs because, again, that will, that will sort of, you know, mm. will spoil things. But, you know, bring another one back, uh, yeah. ideally a loyalist one, just to, mm. you know, balance it a bit more. And obviously, you know, a bit of contention with, you know, with Gilliman yeah. potentially as well. Yeah. I mean, a, a loyalist one or a separatist one, if we're going for big story bomb lines, again. Hey. Yeah. Jag- yeah, Jagatai Khan, champion of Komara, riding his Eldar yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's Maybe he's not back to save the Imperium. Maybe he's back yeah. to go, hey, life is bad, but it could be better than bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's the worry that it will affect the tabletop. I think that's always the concern. Uh, or that's yeah. how it feels like any these big things. Because, again, going back to AOS with the, the Anvil Guard Harkaron thing, that's, that was mm. handled well. Because ultimately, yeah. it's not affected the tabletop. You can play as Anvil no. Guard still, because they're they're you know they're the ones that remain loyal and uh, mm. didn't uh, 
bow to Marathi. And obviously, if you want to play the new the new version of the city, Harker on, you can yeah. as well. And that's what you could do with forty k. You know, if you because mm. like like I know we're going back to what we we're saying earlier with. Uh, you know, with some of the rules, but you know, it, you, you can do it that way. And then it, in a way it keeps people happy because it, it doesn't, mm. you know, stop them playing the way they wanted to. But if you want the new version or an, a new, you know, an, a newer side of things, then cool. you got that too. And then everyone should be hopefully happy or at least, you know, as many we'll as you can, you know, as you can make <laughs> happy. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. I, uh, I, I, I would be, I, I genuinely would be down, you know, for a 40k reboot, though, I wouldn't dislike, mm. you know, I, if they did it, I would be up for it in a way. Yeah. I know a lot of people wouldn't, but and yeah. you're right, I completely, <laughs> I, yeah, I completely understand that a lot of people wouldn't, but um, I would, I don't know, I just feel just shake things up. You know, I think that's where my thoughts mm. came from in this initially is that yeah. I just want, yeah. I want to get excited about 40k again. And yeah. I, I do. That's that's not the right way to put it because that sounds like I don't care about 40k. I still love 40k, but I, yeah, I just yeah. want that excitement factor back that AOS mm. is bringing. Mm. And 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 I, and also, I want AOS to get the praise it deserves because I think oh, it's yeah. so easy yeah. to look down on AOS because of its history, mm. uh, because yeah. you know because of what it did to fantasy, because you know not everyone into 40k is into aos you know but i feel mm. it's making leaps and bounds and oh yeah narratively absolutely. and everything and i i think they're on a really good run at the moment and i just mm. i feel that it's made 40k stat- look stagnant in comparison oh, yeah 100 percent. you know 40k all the new models are like here's a new character model and here's also all these primaris we've been you've seen them for a year at this point we're just slowly getting them out the door yeah. Whereas AOS is like, here's an entire new two sections of the Lumineth. They're completely insane. They're like nothing you've ever seen. Some of them are old school high elves. Some of them are new mm-hmm. school crazy cloud riders. <laughs> uh, oh, and here's everyone's favorite Stormcast. And here's a new Nighthorn hero. And here mm. is the best Warhammer Fantasy uh, Sylvania set you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, Curse City is literally exactly warhammer fantasy aesthetic that ogre my god yeah i love him he's perfect um <laughs> but that's the thing because aos can contain that it can contain the old school warhammer fantasy stuff mm. and also lumineth archers riding kangaroos and clouds into battle yeah yeah but thing is 40k can have that as well yeah in the sense that you know they just need to push for it yeah. Yeah, because you know, we were talking about this yesterday in the live stream when we were talking about Stormcast um, mm. um and we were sort of saying about well I think it was in the live stream anyway where we we're talking about yeah. you know if with the Stormcast if they get updated you throw in a new, you can throw in a new chamber and go right mm. here we go a new chamber like they did with the Sacrosanct chamber when AOS yeah. 2 came out it completely you know it completely refreshed them. Again whether you're into them or not is a different matter but you can yeah. do that with with the 40k races with the Eldar Throw in some new aspect warriors, brand new aspect yeah. warriors, not 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 just you know models of the old ones. Bring a new path mm. of the Eldar, you know. Bring yeah. like was, with the Tau, bring in another another cast. Another cast. You know, yeah. it's it's not hard, and it's and no. it's plausible because ultimately, mm. if if Belisarius Call was keeping things quiet for ten thousand years with the the Primaris Marines, the the other mm. races could be doing it. You could have oh, a yeah. few planets of Eldari, um, you know, that have been learning new skills they've you know you know mm. found a new way to 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 fight and and yeah. ta-da here's their new aspect warrior oh, you know, and, and, or, or a collection of them it that's plausible 
that would actually be incredibly hyped. That would be like narratively Primark level of the inauguration of a new Phoenix Lord. Exactly. That would be incredible. <laughs> exactly. And then that new Phoenix, I mean, we sort of saw it with the Yanari, sort of. You know, mm. they like, we've got Yvrain and, and, you know, bring in this new god. But it's it's sort of fallen down, you know, it's, a bit, it's turned into a bit of a wet fart, unfortunately, the yeah. Yanari. And I feel, and it's a shame because, again, it's such a cool thing that they could, whereas it feels like it's just been dropped a bit. Like, oh, yeah, and yeah. the Yanari. Again, we may see in time where... They've just been cooking it over for a bit and then bang, you know, the Unari have yeah. a big way. But it feels like they've just, yeah, not been taken to the level they could have been. It's just, yeah. it was just a way to, you know, to bring all the, all the, um, the Eldari factions together so you can run them on the tabletop where it's like narrative, yeah. you know, bring something Give in them. with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that's, that's probably a decent covering of the, the ideas. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, you think, know. I think we about made our point. Give it, give us more 40k. We love you. We just want you to give us more, <laughs> something better. Exactly. Be like your little brother. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We we've waffled enough, I think. So yeah. Cameron, where can yes. people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K for all the howdly doodlies down here in Australia. What's going on? Uh, various things and bits and bobs. Uh, if you want to catch my hobby, you can either pop on over to Instagram at realm underscore and underscore ruin. Uh, you can join our lovely Discord, or you can follow the podcast Twitter at realmandruin. Uh, <laughs> realm and ruin. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Matt, how about you? Uh, yeah, you can also find me on Twitter as well at ninjabadger7. Um, and like Cameron said, you can find our podcast on there as well. All the links will be down in the description as always. So mm. that's been another waffle. We have waffled, and uh, I'm now wanting to eat waffles. Maybe that's the <laughs> uh, that's the end result of these. So mm. hope you've enjoyed it. We will carry on trying to throw in more of these waffles throughout the year because yeah. they're a good way to sort of just talk Warhammer Noffle <laughs> Warhammer yeah. nonsense. Warhammer for a while. Noffle. Uh, that's a new faction. Noffles. Noffles. That's it. <laughs> Someone write it. So, <laughs> hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, as always, oh, be good to each other. Don't tell anyone else how to hobby. And like I said, as always, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>